Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. (laughs) That guy at the end sounded a little angry, huh? (laughs) Okay, I better put my cell phone away right now. We've been in a series called Next Level Life. And uh, in just a moment, I'll address everything, that, or most everything that was mentioned in that video. But I want to bring attention to our 40 days of prayer and fasting just for a moment. First of all, I'll remind you again tonight that at 6, six o'clock, we will have a, a night of prayer and worship. And uh, it'll just be a great time of Leanna leading us in worship and uh, praying together. And we'll be praying for the four things, or through the four things that we're going to practice over these 40 days of praise pause, petition, and proclaim. And so we'll be praying those four things tonight uh, during that time. And it'll be a great time. It'll be an excellent time for us to kind of learn what the expectations are for these 40 days. So we're taking 10 days for each of those moments and, and, and focusing on those areas, and it'll be a great evening. So be sure to be a part of that. Also, I want to encourage you that um, today is Jehovah Jireh. That's the focus that we're having. Every morning at 740, you can catch me um, just praying with you. Uh, kind of reminding you of the, maybe the, the focus for that day and just starting that day and letting it be the rest of the day. So it's only, and it's just a quick on Facebook, Instagram, I think, I, I know it's online, on our website, all those kinds of things are available. And you can go le- see it later if, you, if, you, if you're not available during that time. But I just encourage you to do that. Also, there's some great playlists that Leanna has put together of worship that uh, are so applicable for these themes. And so uh, for the 10 days of praise, there's a great playlist. There'll be, for the 10 days of pause, there'll be a great playlist as well. So um, be sure to take advantage of that. This series has been about living at the next level of life, living at the next level of faith. And our big thought for the series has simply been living at the next level of life and faith means we must be willing to do what we've never done before. It requires the right choices, relationships, convictions, character, competence, consistency, and commitment. With these, we will remain or decline, without these, I'm sorry, we will remain or decline to a level of complacency. And uh, as a pastor, as a leader, I do not want us to ever get to that place of complacency or get to that place of um, a passivity that we are are, uh, capable of being because we we want to just kind of relax and, and let things go. Um, I'm, as, as they said earlier, and first of all, um, I could not do anything without this team. And they would tell you that because I'm, they remind me of things I need to do all the time and they're keeping me on track and all those kinds of things. I have a wonderful team that we are super blessed to have here at Journey. And um, they will not let me uh, grow into a complacent state or a passive state because they're, they're not passive or complacent people. So the big question we're trying to answer is how do we rise to another level of faith in life? And if you will watch these, these series or maybe even go back to them, you'll realize that this could benefit you at work, could benefit you at home, it'll benefit you in, in your, uh, your, your achievements, the things that you might be striving for, you, maybe you belong to a, a group or a club or whatever, and you want to become great in that context, these things will help you get there. And these things will help you achieve. But most importantly, what we want to understand is that we're becoming more like Christ every time we rise to the level of our potential. 
Every time we're rising to that next level, we're becoming more like Jesus every single day. So we've talked about choices, making the right choices. Joshua said to the people of Israel, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We, we had a rock that we uh, gave everybody to, to use as a covenant rock. Um, that covenant rock means that we made a promise to God that we will follow him. We chose to follow him uh, with all of our hearts. Our relationship, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. We focused on that. Conviction, the next level people say no more than they say yes. Why? Because they have a conviction that they have to do something. They must do something. There's a conviction about it. And then last week we talked about character. What gets squeezed out of you when you're under pressure. We had a good time with that. And what gets squeezed out of you is... don't choose character, it's developed in us through the pain, through the strain, through the difficulties, through the exercise that we go through. And when we go through that, we build character. And character helps us stand in the storm rather than wash, uh, go, go wherever the waves might be going or wherever the wind is blowing. And so it's a, it's a powerful, powerful part of who we are as, as Christ followers. So let me ask this question. Have you ever hired someone to do a job and they say they can do the job and only to find can't do the job? You ever been disappointed by somebody like that? You ever been disappointed by somebody that you, you, you they said, oh, I can do that. And then they, they try and do it. I remember one time I was a, a kid. I was about 15 years old. I'd seen a bunch of friends of mine plaster a house. And so a friend of mine decided that they were going to have a little addition and they couldn't find somebody to plaster their house. So I said, I can do it. I've seen it done. And so I go over, and they, it's just a little addition. It's not a big thing. And so I put all this paper on it, and I put the wire on it, and I do all this stuff. And then I go, and I start throwing this mud on there, and it wouldn't stick. It wouldn't stay. And there's this big just glob of mud on the side of the house, this concrete stuff that now has to be chipped away, and it didn't work. I wasn't, I wasn't even capable. I just only saw these guys do it. I didn't know what was going on. So I called my buddy who was a very good plasterer, and he says, oh, Ricardo, you really messed this thing up. And I told the people I could do it, but I couldn't do it. And he came and he helped fix it. And it looked amazing when it was all done. But I realized I can't just say, hey, because I've seen something done, I can do it. You know, I admire these guys up on stage every, every weekend. I, I look at John over here with a fretless bass. And uh, he's playing the bass. There's no frets on it, which is an incredible skill to be able to play that. And um, <laughs> it's just amazing. Well, I want to I show you just a little bit of what incompetence looks like and what may pe people might say about you when you're incompetent. Watch this video. It's going to be one of those days. Hi, what's your name? I'm Thomas Blurspin. Where are you from, Thomas? I'm actually from Greeley, Colorado. <laughs> and how old are you? I'm 19. You've got a very deep voice, Thomas. <laughs> Have you ever sang in front of people before? Uh, not other than friends and family. Okay, what's the response you get? They seem to like it. Okay, <laughs> that's a start. Good luck. Baby, lock the door and turn the lights down low. Put some music on that's soft and slow. Have you ever got a shirt back from the laundry where it's got too much starch in it? 
You know, like you literally can't put it on because it's like made of wood. That's what you were like. I just feel like I'd want to see a little bit more edge with you. You wouldn't be able to do it. It'd be like trying to chop down a tree with a banana. You just, it wouldn't, wouldn't work. Come on, come on and take it. Take another little piece of my heart. What's your name? Uh, my name is Sean. And do you think you can win? I know I can win. <laughs> okay, well, best of luck. I'm actually going to throw to old Crazy Simon. You're like an elephant trying to skydive with a tiny parachute <laughs> indoors. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Your accent's getting good. Can I sing another song? No! <laughs> Incompetence. People that can sing, that think they can sing. They, the funny thing about those situations is probably grandma that is sitting in front of them listening. And grandma will never tell you that you're no good. <laughs> you know? It's true, right? I mean, I, 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 grandma, that's the way grandmas are. They just love you and they tell you what you're not even good at. And, um, but the truth is, we need competence. And, and my fear, here's my fear, is that the world would look at us as Christians and say the same things that they would say about incompetent people. That's not good. That's not good. And it's one of those things that I've, I've learned. At one, I had an, an experience in, when I went into the corporate world. So I left ministry for four years, and I went into the corporate world. And I realized that the corporate world understands the value of people who are good at what they do. And they reward it. They reward it tremendously. If you're good at what you do in the corporate world, you will get paid. And you will get promoted. And you will get paid again. And you will get rewards and you will get vacations and you will get trips and you'll get all these things. Why? Because you're good at the expectation that they place on you. And why should the church be any different? Why should the church be any different in the level of its expectation of competency? And here I, I, I realize you, you guys are quiet right now. There's not a whole lot of amens going on. But I realize that this is a complicated topic because what we and the church have kind of done is say, well, he has a gift. And he has the gift of, of let's just go to singing. And he gets up and he, he does this. And he, and he can't sing. And no one wants, and the church is so loving and so full of grace and so kind. And I get it, I understand it, and we want to show this loving heart, but we have to understand that the person who walks in the door that is, doesn't believe or doesn't have faith or an opportunity to go somewhere and hears that goes, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. Because their first expectation is excellence and their second one is love and grace. 
And so we need a competent church. We need a church that is competent. Next level people understand that they must be good at what they do. Now here's the tension. I think that competence is also the limiting factor of the church. In the sense that we feel like, oh, because we're so humble... And I don't mean that in a prideful way. I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm proud of my humility. I'm, I'm saying we, we have this humility that says, oh, I'm not very good at anything. Oh, I'm not, I'm not good at what I do. I'm not, you know, and we kind of hold back. Or you believe, or we listen to a Leanna, and we hear Leanna sing like no other. And we go, I'll never sing like that. So I'm not going to even try. And that limits us because you do have the gift of singing. It just needs to be developed. Or you need to be willing to try and hear, oh, that's maybe not your gift, but let's go somewhere else and find it. (laughs) Is that okay? Are you guys okay with this? God wants to raise up a church. He wants to raise up a people who are called and gifted and skilled and competent. And if we become competent, then we become the edge that the world is looking for and at and saying, I want to be a part of that. I want to see that. I want to experience that. I want to enjoy that. Because when something's good, it's good. When something's bad, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of that. And so we as a church have to know and understand that we need to be competent. I like what one author said. He said, there are more competent sinners than there are saints. I don't like that statement, but it's a good one. It's a reminder. It's a challenge for me. And and I love challenges like this. I'm like, oh, really? I'll show you. Bring on the challenge. Let's get good. Let's be a church that is fully competent at everything we do and everything we're called to do and everything we are are, are to become. We want to rise to that full potential place in our lives. Competence is this. It's the ability to use our gifting to its potential. It is being used by God at our highest potential of faith and function. That's competence. Competence is when we are at our highest potential, when we've been fully developed if you will, in our skill, in our gifting, in our talent, whatever that may be. I love Cole. He plays an amazing guitar. I love these guys, Sam, who plays the drums. I was admiring. There was a solo part or it seemed like a solo part. Maybe it was just because I was only listening to him. But it was so good. So good. These guys didn't wake up this morning and go, oh, I think I'm going to play the drums today. I think I'm going to play a fretless bass. I think I'm going to play a guitar. I think I'm going to sing a song. No one woke up saying, oh, okay, I think I'm going to try this today. It didn't happen that way. They, They perfected, they worked on, they still work on, and continue to grow in their competency. And I think that's a huge place that we need to embrace as a church. If we're going to be a next level church, then we have to be a next level competency level. Amen? All right, all right. So how do we get to that place? How do next, pe- next level people develop their competence? Let's look at a passage of scripture. 2 Corinthians 3, 
Verse 1 says, are we beginning to commend ourselves? So Paul, the, the writer of the, the book of Corinthians, is writing to the Corinthians. And the Corinthians are having people in the church kind of challenge him. Challenge his credentials. And say, really? Are you, are you really an apostle? Should we believe you? Why should we believe you? And so Paul is, is here saying, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Do we have to explain ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? It was very common in those days that if you were good at something, you would get a letter of recommendation. It's, like, it's the very same thing that happens to us today, right? We want letters of recommendation or referrals is what we call them today. And that would get us into the next place. If you're a contractor and you have a good reputation, you probably have a list of people that you would give your customer or future customer and say, here, call these people and ask them what they think of my work. And so I've done that. I've called people and said, how, did, how is it? How did they do? And some have said, oh, they're great. They're amazing. I would hire them again. Other people have said, yeah, not so much. I said, why was he on your list? <laughs> That's the thing I was wondering. And, and so it, it's a, a, a powerful tool. So here they are. They're saying, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. So the people of the Corinthian church were the, the reference letter of Paul. He said, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of, but with the, spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Now, one of the key words in here is you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. The result of our ministry. Let me ask this question. Is what we are doing producing any fruit as a church, as an individual, as a person who's calling themselves Christians? Are what, where you are at, where I am at, this is a, a challenge. This is a deep challenge to all of us. Are we producing any fruit? Because competent people have results. Have results. Competent people depend on results. Competent people expect results. Competent people look for results and anticipate them, that there's an outcome from what they produce. If you're in a job right now and you are doing a job that you were asked to do and it has no results, I don't think you'll be in that job long. Because there is a result that's expected. There's an outcome. What is, what is, am I doing anything that is accomplishing my job description? Most jobs, when you get into them, give you a job description. They just say, okay, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to be here this, and you're going to... And so you say, uh, I can do that. I'm capable of doing that, and I will do that. That's my job description, and I will fulfill that job description. And so the question is today, just think about your job or your place of work or uh, maybe a project that you're on. Are you capable of doing that? Is that your job description? You see, next level people... Embrace what's expected of them. Paul understood that his job was not just to develop converts, but to make disciples. There's a big difference. 
There's a big difference between getting people to say yes to Jesus and being, uh, encouraging people to follow Jesus. There's a difference in that. Yes is easy by an upraised hand or uh, even a connection card like we ask for. But getting that followership is the next level. It's the next step. That's the job description that we as Christians, we as pastors have. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But next level people embrace what is expected of them. Do you have a clear picture of what's expected of you as a Christian? Do you have a clear picture of what's expected of you at your job? And if not, then there's some work to do there. There's some clarification that needs to happen. There's some expectations that need to be communicated. Because how are you to know? Maybe you've been told, hey, we just need some bodies. And you get thrown into a spot and you don't know what the expectation is. That's not good. You need to know what the expectation is. I am called and gifted to do this. And the outcome of that will be this. And when you understand that, when that's clear in your head and mind, then it becomes a very enjoyable job. I knew that one of the life-changing experiences I had or moments in my work in the corporate world was understanding that the... So I went from ministry to corporate world. Ministry is non-profit. Corporate world, everything is profit. Everything is that dollar bill. Everything is that bottom line. You have a top line and a bottom line, and that bottom line, there better be a positive number there. And if there isn't, you're in trouble. And I learned that expectation. In church, the same, the same is true, except the bottom line doesn't have to be, it can, it can end up being zero, which is an okay thing, but it can't be red. We don't want to live in the red. And so a, a, a nonprofit is all about what's better for everybody else. In, in a for-profit, it's what that bottom line says. And it was an eye-opener for me to understand that I have to work for that dollar. I have to make sure that that bottom line is black and that it's big and it's as big as I can possibly make it. And if that's the case, then I become a good district manager. Are we doing what is expected of us? Are we accomplishing what is expected of us? Next level people leave good results behind them. That's the beauty of this statement in in 2 Corinthians. It says, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. The results of bringing Christ into the Corinthian, into Corinth, the results were obvious. There were lives changed. There were people that were transformed. There were hearts that were moved. There were people that were became disciples. There were people that were following Jesus. And as a result of that, there was a positivity that was happening. And the results were written on the hearts of people. Do we have results? Do we have outcomes? Would someone recommend you as a representation of Christianity? Yeah. That's a hard question, right? Would someone write you a letter of recommendation for being a Christian? Would someone write a letter of recommendation for me for being a Christian? That's a big challenge. We need to go before God. We need to get on our knees and go, God, would people write a recommendation? Am I, on, am I written on the hearts of anybody in this world, in my community, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, you hearing it? Are you catching it? Competency creates results. 
Competency is measured by results, not feelings. We can feel good about what we do, but is there a result? Is there a result? I know that in the corporate world, I, I, I went in kind of with this pastoral attitude. And I'm just going to love on people. I'm going to help them. I'm going to support them. I'm going to encourage them. And there were some people that didn't know how to do their jobs. So we're finally like, hey, dude, you can't treat them so nice. You can't continue to let them do nothing and produce nothing and have no profit in their particular uh, route that they were running. And there were routes that were negative and there were routes that were positive. And, and I was trying to be really nice. And he said, you need to shore it up. And so I did. They didn't like me at first. But once they became successful, once I started teaching them how to do the job, Soon, we went from red to black, and pretty soon, my entire district was a, a black district, a, a, a profitable district. And pretty soon, I was being looked at by the uh, managers and the general managers and the area managers and going, hey, that guy's putting it out. He's starting to make it happen. And pretty soon, I realized that I can't just be nice. I have to train. I have to help people become competent at what they're doing. I can't just be nice. And that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing for all of us to be measured. And, and sometimes it happens. And when the production takes place, there's a word in Scripture when uh, <clears throat> a, a God gave uh, somebody or a, a, an owner gave uh, people certain amounts of money to increase. And when they increased it, what was the comment? They said, well done, good and faithful servant. When they didn't increase it, he said, I'm going to take that from you. I'm going to fire you, basically. And I'm going to give that to the others that are better at making a profit. When the fruit, when the result happens. Church, I believe that today what God is saying to us, you and me, is that he is asking us to look inside and say, are we competent at what we are doing? Because when we are competent and we exercise, that competence results occur and discipleship disciples are made let me read you have you ever had anybody have you ever had a pastor read you his job description here it is this is my job description you can hold me to it okay and it's from scripture it's not anything man wrote this is what god wrote and so this is what i'm about Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and here it is, to equip his people for works of service. So one of my roles is to equip you for works of service so that, and this is the result, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. Any amens? Okay. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is the pastor's job description. My job, my role, is to equip all of us for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. In other words, not uniformity in the faith, but unity. We're all going in the same direction and doing the, the same mission in faith. 
and the knowledge of the Son of God. So we're understanding who God is and Jesus is more and more and more every day, every week, and we become mature. And the de definition of maturity is that we get to a point where we're not just asking to be fed, but we're feeding others. And we're reproducing. We're becoming people that are replicating and, and multiplying. Are you hearing the preaching? Don't make me amen myself. Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the church is to become like Jesus. And when we become that, we change the world. Now let me read your, our job description. Okay, son, you thought you were just going to land on me. Hold me accountable. The question is this, and this is for all of us. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is the great commission. That is the job of the church. That is what we are all called to, is to make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. And when we do that, we are fulfilling and we are accomplishing. We are developing. We, we have to become competent at making disciples. That's why we have uh, groups. That's why we're offering Journey 101 so that everyone in our church can understand who we are and what we're about and where we're going. That's why we have core. One thing we went through, the three competencies or, or, or uh, uh, focuses of the church, the, our beliefs, our practices, and our expressions. Those are all things that we've walked through and we will continue to walk through and we will continue to develop in our lives. But the most important thing is, is that we make disciples. The fruit of the church should be an expanding church that is creating and developing and helping people follow Jesus. And become more like him every day. So that we become mature. Mature is having Jesus at the center of our lives. Multiplying, replicating, and feeding others. So that they know and understand who Jesus is. Is there a big amen for that? Amen. All right. Second Corinthians goes on to say, Such confidence we have through Christ before God. I love the confidence. Competent people are confident. Confident, competent people are confident. They have an ability. They have, some people call it arrogance. It, really competent people aren't arrogant. They're just confident. Some competent people are arrogant. They just have their nose up in the air and they say, I'm better than you and uh, you're not. And, you know, they hold their competence way up here above everybody else. And, but when we have competence in the church, it's a humble confidence. It's humility along with skill and talent and ability. And it comes in together to lift others up. And that's the beauty of confidence. Now, verse 5 says, now that we are competent in, our, not that we are, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. That's the beauty of being gifted by God is that we are also empowered by him 
and we are given abilities. They don't come instantly all the time. They don't, you just don't, like I've prayed. <laughs> I've prayed, God, give me the gift of singing. And he hasn't done it. I mean, I, I like singing, and I don't think I have a terrible voice, but I don't have Leanna or Jennifer or Cole or maybe some of you that should be up here, and you should give it a try, and you should get involved, and you should connect with Leanna and see if you have that gift. But the power of knowing that, that we have a competence is a beautiful thing, and it comes from God, empowered by God. And when it is, there is something that transforms everything. Amen. You guys, we need to be competent. And when we are competent, the Spirit of the Lord comes in and He blesses it and blesses it and blesses it and expands it and, and empowers people. And we should be on the front edge of our world with our talent and our skills and our abilities, not on the back edge. We should be using all the tools of this world that they have developed and that the world takes advantage of. We should do the same, but even better. Because we have talent and skills. And not only that, we have the spirit of the living God embellishing that ability, embellishing that power, embellishing that skill set that you have. God wants to bless you as you use your skill. Next level people have a confidence about their competence. And next level Christians recognize a competence that is beyond themselves. We have the spirit of God in our lives. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. There should be never a shortage of talent in the church. Why? Because there's a power that is far beyond ourselves. Far beyond ourselves. And that power is the gift of the Holy Spirit that sets in our hearts the ability to do crazy things that we could never imagine doing. So this last little bit, I'll just read the entire passage of Scripture, and then I'll make a couple comments. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says this, and he talks about how competent people win the prize. Do you not know that in a race all, runners, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. People understand that they must live with purpose. And there must be something that gets us out of bed every morning, something that drives our energy, something that drives our reason for being alive and taking the breath from this planet. Everyone, next level people are trainers, they're not triers. They go into strict training. They're disciplined. I like the, the, the video that says we need to understand that sometimes... Uh, the, the time we spend on this could be the time that's spent getting us to a level of success and competency that we never imagined for ourselves. I'm guilty of that myself. I like those little Facebook stuff and clippings and all that kind of stuff, and I tend to get absorbed in them sometimes. 
How much time are we spending not training, not giving ourselves to competency? They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. When we are exercising our gift, our talent, our ability, when we are doing what God has called us to do, we are affecting eternity. And we are going to realize that blessing, which is something we live for. They used to make laurels, these little crowns of, of, of leaves and things, and that was the reward for winning a race. And that's why it says don't rest on your laurels. Why? Because they're, they're dead. They're, they're no good anymore. But you can't, you can't rest on the last win. You need to look to the next win, to the next prize, to the next gift. And in our case, it's not a laurel that's going to die and fade. It's, it's a, an eternal life and an eternal effect that we have. When we reach one person for Jesus, that's one person that's going to spend eternity in heaven. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave with discipline. Next people, next level people discipline themselves. This is a hard word. It's an area that I've struggled with all my life and I wish I was even more disciplined than I am because I believe that if I were, there would be this little edge that could be accomplished. And I believe with all my heart that that's where God is leading us as a church, as individuals, just to give it that discipline that it takes to take our, level, our, our lives to the next level of competence, the ability to do something great. I admire these guys. I admire many of you, all of you, who have skills and talents that I couldn't ever imagine putting myself in or involving myself in. But you are amazing. What if we just take it to the next level and let God take over and empower that gift, empower that competence, and see something happen that we could never imagine happening on our own. The call today is to ask ourselves, are we willing to be the best at what we do? Are we willing to rise to competency instead of complacency? Are we willing to accept the life description God has set for us? You may have thought you'd be in a different place, but God is calling you to a, a, a new place. Maybe it's a different skill set. Maybe it's a different gifting that you just, you've dreamt about, but you've never put time and energy into or discipline. Are you willing to be measured by God for fruit and growth? Remember, I never had to sit in front of a, a review board until I got to the corporate world. My church board, when I was a lead pastor, never sat me down and said, okay, what were your goals and did you achieve them? My corporate board did. And I had to sit in front of the, the, the general manager, the regional manager, and the area manager and answer to every number that I had on my report. And I was like, the first time especially, I was like, uh, 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 uh. and the funny thing is I told them everything that was wrong with my, my district. And my district, my uh, general manager was sitting in the chair turning red as I kept talking. And he's like, and, and, and I got done and, and the, gen, the area manager and the regional manager said, man, you got all kinds of problems. We'll talk to your general manager about it. And later he came to me and he said, don't ever do that again. Only talk to him about what's good in your district. He said, it's not lying, it's just selective disclosure. 
And fortunately, I didn't have to even use selective disclosure. As time went on, I kept showing good numbers and showing, what are we doing as Christians? How are we doing as a church? First of all, I'd say we're on a really good path. We're on a really good path of growth. We're on a really good path of, of people getting involved, of, of people giving themselves. I, I, there's no church that can't do better. And we can do better and we will do better and we'll continue to make ourselves the best place to be on a Sunday morning, to the best place to be in a group, the best place to be as a volunteer, the best place that you can come and find a place to affect change in our community. All of those things are my ambition, my passion, and most importantly, we will grow and mature in our faith and see people become disciples of Christ. Amen? Amen. Are we willing to set aside the comfort for the prize? Are we willing to discipline our lives, to develop our confidence and calling as a Christian? I believe this morning that all of us are being challenged to go to another level, myself included. These next 35 days of praise and pause and petition and proclaiming will be 35 days that we have an opportunity to discipline ourselves, to hear God's voice, and to follow the path that he's calling us to. God, I believe that you're doing something significant this morning. I believe that you are doing something uh, that is empowering us all to become more like you every single day. And Lord, I pray for each person in this room that we would all rise to the next level of life for us, that we would all become competent at the skills and talents and giftings that you've given us. And most importantly, we ask that you empower us to make change in this world. Lord, even though we could do our, our talent, even though we could do our skill, it would be meaningless if it doesn't have your power behind it. So I pray that every life in this room, every heart in this room would be transformed into a competent, powerful tool in your hand and that we would see lives radically changed, lives radically moved, lives completely uh, challenged to follow you and become disciples. Lord, help us to become more like you every single day. I thank you and I praise you for that. I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. One last thing. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I simply want to ask a simple question. Are you ready to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. The best way to get to one next level is to take the first step. And that is the first step in believing in Jesus Christ. If that's you today, I just want to encourage you to pray this simple prayer after me. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it in your heart. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I accept the work you did on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And today... I realize I am now completely forgiven. I believe that you were raised from the dead and because of that, you promised me eternal life and I will spend eternity with you and with all those that believe. And today I thank you for that. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.